Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast. Right? If you always play it safe and you always feel comfortable and you're never nervous or horrified that you're going to totally fail, then you're never going to get to the next level. Welcome back to another episode, number four, of Sex, Money and Rage. I'm your host, Ellie, and on this show, we have provocative conversations with rebellious business owners out there. So it's for people who are sick of the repetitive business and self-help advice that clings to the status quo. Sex, Money and Rage blows the lid off taboo topics because that's where all the fun is, let's be honest. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for tuning in if this is your first time or your fourth time, or maybe you've listened to every episode five times, so it would be your 20th time. Some crazy maths for you right there. Um, Thank you for listening to the show. In this episode, I am interviewing Kathy Kay, who is the incredible host of a sex podcast called Strictly Anonymous. And basically she has anonymous people from all around the world who call in and dish on their biggest sexual escapades and secrets, whether it's cheating on a partner, whether it's some crazy wild kink they're into, anything and everything you could imagine to do with sex people ring in to chat to Kathy and confess basically. So it's really cool. She has all these incredible, interesting people come on the show and it gives them a chance to talk about things and to, you know, be honest about where they're at and makes for some very interesting conversation. So I had a really, really amazing time interviewing Kathy. She is an incredible person and business owner, and there's tons of really good advice for business owners, podcast hosts, and even some interesting stuff about sex, of course, because we love sex here on Sex, Money and Rage, because I mean, it's in the title. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. Uh, Please leave a five-star review if you're enjoying the show. Even if you're not, please go and leave a five-star review. It really helps. And hit the subscribe button. We've got new episodes coming every week on Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And here in Peru, me and my brother, John, have just adopted two kittens. So basically my friend, Nikki, she had three wild cats just start showing up one day and she resisted for ages and then eventually decided to feed them. So of course they kept coming back and turns out one of them was pregnant. So she ended up having four kittens or seven cats in total running around her house and so we agreed to adopt two of them and I've never had a cat before, but I'm, I'm loving it. It's a lot of fun. They're, they were very scared at first, but they're really becoming a lot more curious every day and playful and yeah, it's good fun. So just a heads up, there may be affiliate links in the episode, which help to keep the wheels turning and the lights on and episodes coming out. So thank you for your support. This episode is sponsored by Rage Heart, which is my brother's incredible company. And so if you struggle with sex and getting into your body and being present, maybe you're disconnected from your body, maybe you're disconnected from your partner, or maybe you want to explore some cool kinks, but you're really terrified. Uh, Or maybe you just keep choosing terrible romantic partners and you don't feel safe. It's so common. It really is. And so many tools and books and resources out there focus on the mind and the mental aspect. But Rage Heart helps you drop into your body because sex is a very physical thing, right? You want to be in your body for it. You want to be feeling all the things, you know, and and maybe you have stuff come up and Rage Heart can help give you the tools to deal with that and help you stay present in your body and stay connected to yourself and to your partner. So if that sounds interesting and resonates, go and check out Rage Heart at sexmoneyrage.com slash go. You can sign up to the free daily rage, which gives you an insight into how rage heart works, how to work with this body that we have and all the incredible emotions and complexities inside on a nervous system and physical level. So go check it out. I'm a huge fan. It's done incredible things for me. It's sexmoneyrage.com slash go. All right, let's jump in. Kathy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, how are you going? How's your morning been? 
It's going good. I'm excited to be on your show. It's easy for me. Normally, I'm on your end of the thing. So, you know, this is like a very relaxing, no stress for me to be the guest this time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go on many other podcasts or you're normally doing your own interviews? You know, that's actually a good question because I have to start doing it more. It's one of the key things uh, that people will tell you to, you know, as is something to use to build your audience. So go be a guest on other people's podcasts. And, and that's the one thing I haven't done yet to grow my audience. I've done everything else to grow my audience. I've been very <laughs> successful at all the other things, but I've never done that. So I feel like, oh, it's still, it's good that I haven't done that yet, but I need to. And it is a, really good thing to do. So I don't do it often, but I need to start. So awesome. Well, I'm glad okay. you're able to come on to the podcast today. It's, um, yeah, it's an honor to have you. Um, so I want to jump in. So I listened, oh, firstly, congratulations on hitting five over 500 podcast episodes. That's yeah. a huge feat. <laughs> um, mm. Lots of, lots of hours, lots of interviews, lots of interesting people. How, how does that feel to hit 500 episodes? It was great. It was exciting. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do for my 500th episode? You know, and I wound up interviewing myself. I was trying to get like my old co-host to interview me or like this comedian that's kind of famous who taught me how to do the show and everything from the day one. And, yep. but then I was like, you know, I, I, uh, I just decided to just do it me solo. I interviewed myself for 500 and I thought it was a big deal. It was exciting. You know, I've been doing my show for like, over seven years. I now everybody's doing podcasting, but when I started, you know, there weren't as many people. Um, so Mm -hmm. it was great to hit 500. I mean, listen, I've had to, I've not, I've had to like not air some for different kinds of reasons. So I've probably done like 650 episodes really, (laughs) but I have like 500 aired. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, Wow, seven years. So, so, um, how, how do you stay motivated to keep doing, uh, podcast episodes? Do you do one a week or do you do several a week or does it sort of depend on your schedule? No, I do. I, you know, I started out doing one a week. You know, uh, like I said, I got, I started my show. I was friends. I worked in entertainment before I did my podcast and I worked with comedians and I knew some like really big, well-known comedians, you know, and that, those were the people that started podcasting like early on, like they all had podcasts. And one of them was always said to me like, Oh, you should do your own show and I'll help you. And he was the one that got me into it. But he told me like one of the, you know, what you know in the beginning one of the most important things was pick a day pick a time and be consistent you know you have to put out a podcast all the time you know at a, whenever whatever you decide so i decided every yeah. sunday at 8 p.m i put out a show and i did that one episode 8 p.m no matter what was going on in my life for like six and a half years and then you know when i decided to start monetizing and uh really taking my show to the next level i added episodes and uh, I'm up to two a week and then an extra one on, you know, every other Friday. And eventually it'll be like when in the next month or so, it's going to be every Friday. So I'll be doing three episodes a week. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so there's several different directions I want to go, but um, I want to talk about the comedians. So you said you worked with some comedians before you jumped into the podcast world. Um, yeah. what, what were you sort of doing uh, with the comedians and in the comedy industry? You know, I worked at a, a talent agency, a really big one. And so I was on that side of things, uh, you know, in a, it worked in like TV and in the mm-hmm. TV department. So it was like booking them, getting them on shows, that kind of thing. And then I worked for a big comedy festival that we had in the States that was like, if you were a comedian, it was the festival you wanted to, you know, be involved with because it was like an industry event. So I was then like a talent scout for that. And it was like one of the best jobs I ever had. Cause basically what it was, was that I I would have to just watch at this time, at the time that I was doing it, it was like 20 years ago, there was, you know, video cassette recordings and sort of find the best of the best and go out and go to every comedy show for a couple of months and, and find the best of the best talent. And then we uh, put them on, and did a whole festival for the industry. And so, you know, that's what I did. And I loved it. I loved working on that side of the business um, back then. That's awesome. And so you mentioned, um, so I did listen to 
your 500th episode where you interviewed yourself, which I found so, so interesting. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, Just some of the stuff you talked about. And you mentioned, you know, you worked with some up and coming comedians like Ray Romano um, and a few different people. Um, You know, how did working with them sort of help you then transition into doing a podcast? You mentioned you had a friend who was a comedian that helped you build your podcast. Um, How did that all sort of come about? Well, yeah, it was this one guy, Robert Kelly. He's got his own show and he had his own network and he was the one because we were actually really good friends. And I was like hip pocketing him at the agency and I got him a lot of gigs. And we were, like I said, always close. And I was always Mm -hmm. working to help other people, you know, kind of break out and become successful. Uh, I had never done anything creative on my own. I was always, like I said, on the business side of things. And he was the one that was like, oh, you should do your own show because I really loved... I'm really interested in people and what I do for my show. One of the reasons why I've been doing it for this long is because I actually like it. I mean, I made zero dollars on it only because I I didn't try, not because I couldn't, you know, I just never even thought to monetize it for the first six and a half years. I mean, so obviously it's what I just naturally like to do. And, you know, cause I was such a talker and such an analyzer. He's like, you should do your own show. And then he helped me. And I wasn't working with comedians at that time. I was like looking for other kinds of things. And it just mm-hmm. was like something that was on the, on the side as a hobby, but it was really helpful because he, you know, told me what to buy, how to do it, all this stuff, you know, and I've tried to help other people, uh, with podcasts since the way he did. And it's, uh, you know, because it is super helpful to have somebody like explain certain things in the beginning. Totally. So it was, totally. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. And so for people say who haven't heard about or listened to your podcast, can you just give a bit of a rundown of sort of what you, what you talk about and who you interview? Cause it's very, very interesting. Oh, I talk about sex. S-E-X. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, people call, I, like, people call in and tell me all about, uh, most of the time, their secret naughty lives. Um, just, you know, like you, I was planning on taping a bunch of episodes before I started my show. I wanted to be a call-in advice show. I just like sort of peeling back the layers and analyzing things and helping people. That's really what I wanted my show to be about. And it mm-hmm. came... It, it, it became about sex kind of by accident, you know, because I had nowhere. I, I started advertising on Craigslist to get callers to call in. And I only put it in the personal section, like, you know, podcasts looking for guests because I was cheap and I didn't want to pay for an ad. And that was like free to do it there. And I, you know, I got all these emails from these guys with these super interesting, naughty kinds of problems, stories, you know, (laughs) and that's when it all sort of came about. I didn't have the name strictly anonymous. I didn't know that I was going to make all my callers anonymous ahead of time. This all sort of happened backwards. Uh, but Mm -hmm. that's what it became. So it's a place where people could call in while remaining anonymous. And they tell me all, like I said, they're naughty secret stories you know you can't make this shit up that's what i always say the (laughs) stuff that i hear even after seven years after 500 people i mean i there's always something new to hear because i stay on the phone with somebody for about an hour you know i could have like 50 different people who cheated on their wives you know and it's going to be 50 different stories and that's what i love about my show because i get it's not just like uh i I just think it gives you the bigger picture and a more real picture of like what people are really doing and what you know like say a a cheater really is you can't put them all into one category and i love that you get the different kinds of aspects of it on my show does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think it's I think it's super fascinating too because people are not black and white and, and cheating even is not black and white. And so of by course. by having, you know, fifty different people come on your show and and you know tell their stories, it gives you like such an interesting, well rounded, you know, um, approach or or you know, background of what is cheating, you know. And I think that's really cool. And it gives people an opportunity to, you know, get stuff off their chest and and confess, which a lot of people don't have that option or freedom to do that. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize what, uh, you know, how helpful it was to people until I started until I started to do it. It's not only helpful to the people that call in, you know, a lot of times the people that call in, it's like their first time uh, that they're actually admitting 
mm. the stuff out loud. So it's helpful to them, but it's also like, you know, helpful to the people listening because I think that, you know, feeling like you're not alone and you, you know, you're not the only one is totally. something that everyone needs. And that's what my show does. So I get emails from, like I said, not only the people that call in, but people that are listening, like, oh my God, thank you so much for that story because it helped me realize that I'm not alone. I'm the only one into that or whatever. Mm. So, and that's what I love because I, I did start my show because I do like to help people. I wanted to help people like just with regular problems and issues, but <laughs> it turns out even with my show, if you look at all the titles, it sounds like a dirty sex show. I am helping people and I do. Totally. That's, that's what I really like. And that's my end goal always. Yeah, totally. And I think, I think, you know, you've pro- you're probably helping people more through what you're doing now than perhaps you even imagined when you first started mm-hmm. the podcast, because, you know, um, all these people, you know, are coming in and like you said, sharing their stories and, you know, it's also helping listeners like totally, um, feel less alone and it's helping, I think, you know, individual people, but also society to shift from a shame based mindset around sex to, Oh, this is okay. And like, I'm not, you know, fucked up and, and there's other people that get enjoyment out of this and there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I think that that's really, really positive and I totally agree. You're helping people, which is really, really cool. And, and yeah, you go, you go. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, I never, listen, I didn't, like I said, I didn't set out to do a sex podcast, but it's, it's kind of fits perfectly with me because I was always somebody that was super open about it. And I never really understood why people just took it so seriously. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I just, it's people are, um, and so I do believe that it is really important to get the word out there. A lot of times I'll get an email like, Oh, like hearing the stories of the weirdos on your show makes me feel so normal. I'm like, but you don't understand. Like, I don't see these people as weirdos. These people that Mm -hmm. are doing these things are among you. Like these are the it's either you or someone, you know, like these are just regular people. And this is what regular, you know, regular people do behind closed doors. You know, it's not like what people think. I think everyone thinks it's just so far detached from them. But like I said, it could be your husband. It could be your boss. It could be your girlfriend. It could be, you know, your mom, (laughs) anyone. Yeah. Your grandma. (laughs) Totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I had a peaches. She was like a 65 year old swinger or maybe 75. I don't know. She's one of my favorite callers. Yeah. Talk about a grandma. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And I was going to just say, what, what were some of the highlights of some of the interviews that you've done? Is there any that pop out? Oh my God. There's so many, you know, I love somebody who's like a good storyteller. Like there was a guy who was like, Mark fucked his stepmom. And it just sounds like a cheesy porn kind of situation. And But the story and the way he told it, it was just from beginning to end, like super interesting and people loved it. I mean, so there's ones like that that stand out because they, you know, like I said, the person was a great storyteller. Uh, people love that episode. And then there's just like crazy ones that stand out because it was like, you just cannot even believe. Like I had a guy who called in, I mean, it was kind of gross. He was like, he was, uh, really into latex panties and he would like, I mean, it's so bizarre. He would like crack eggs and put them inside and then like jerk Um. off and then come inside it. And then like um fry it up as an omelet like and eat it for breakfast i swear to god i mean it was like this thing. and after we got off the phone he was like would you like to see you know the what i cooked up i was like no thanks you know so i have i mean that's like an extreme that's an extreme wow uh episode and i don't even know if like you know nowadays if i got an episode like that i would air it because i kind of mm. know what works and what doesn't but you know i've had everything across the board so sometimes it's hard to pick my favorites yeah. Um, because there's been so many. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Like just some of the stuff that people would do, like you said, you know, you can't, you can't make it up. It's just so, um, out there. Some, a lot of it. Um, and so what, what's been some of the, the challenges that you faced in, in building the podcast and, and getting guests and different things? You know, in the beginning, I would say maybe, I don't even know if it was like the first two years or something, I had to work my ass off to get gas, guests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I had a couple in the bag before I posted my podcast, but it wasn't like people were, you know, 
emailing me to be on the show. I had to go mm-hmm. out and find the people at first. Now, forget about it. I'll get like a hundred emails a day of people that want to be on my show. I have too many people that want to be on my show. I have like 30 wow. episodes already taped and, you know, 30 more, you know, being taped in the next two weeks. So it's like, I'm, I'm way past that. But in the beginning for the first couple of years, I had to go out and find them. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. I would have like the Craigslist app and I would be posting ads in every city. And then I was getting deleted because, you know, they know your IP address and you can't do that. And I, you know, it was like, yeah. I had to work it. And there were some times like where I was under the gun and it was like maybe Friday or Saturday and I had to post an episode on Sunday and I didn't have a guest. And I would be like, I would then go on adult friend finders and be instant messaging people. Like I had to work (laughs) it for a long time. And thank God by the time Craigslist went under, my show was good to go. And it was like big enough that people were emailing me. But for a long time, I had to go out and find them. And that was probably the hardest thing. And I, but like, I, I haven't dealt with that in a long time, but God. Yeah, that's that's good that you haven't had to deal with that. Yeah, that's I mean that's the part I'm at now where I'm yeah cold emailing people and I think yes I think for a lot of businesses or a lot of people starting a project I know myself like you, you kind of forget about that or you you don't want to think about it you know you just want to make the thing and put it out there but you know whether you're starting a business or you're a podcast or any sort of project yeah like oftentimes you need to do cold emailing and cold outreach and and sell yourself and sell your podcast or whatever and and it's it's hard work it really is hard work and totally yeah very character building but you know like you said like it does pay off it it might take 2 years as you said in your case or you know however long but it's um yeah it's definitely something that i think every business owner would go through is you know trying to find clients and trying to find just a way to get the word out about their project or their business. So, um, I think it's yeah, totally. a good point I was to make. lucky because sex, like as far as getting the word out too, for my show, I didn't really realize the stuff that I was doing very early on. And because my show is about SCX and sex just like kind of sells that like people would mm. find me, you know? And so I always had a good size audience considering, right. That I wasn't a well-known person. I didn't really do any right. advertising. I didn't go out there, but I think, you know, there were certain things that I was doing, like, you know, the tide, the titles I was using and the descriptions that I was writing, like all that, like, I didn't realize what came into play and helped me get an audience because, uh, that's the stuff you need to do too. You know, it's not just, Mm -hmm. Oh, you talk to somebody and you put an episode out. You got to write a description. You have to title it. You have to post it. You have to edit it. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And like I said, I mean, I've helped a lot of people start podcasts and they've seen them come and go. You know, I'm very lucky and I'm very happy that I started my show seven years ago because I feel like it's a lot harder to build and grow an audience now because there's so many podcasts out there to choose from. So when I started, it wasn't as many, right? So Mm, um, I'm just so glad that right now, while podcast is like the biggest thing, I already have like a way head start because I already built my audience and everything. And now I could really capitalize on this, you know, the boom that's going on with podcasting. Yeah. Totally, totally. And so, uh, you mentioned about getting word out in the beginning was quite easy in a sense because it was a sex-based podcast. But in, in a sense, did you just um, post a bunch of podcasts and and let it um, grow organically? Did you get it? Did you run ads, word of mouth? Sort of. How did you get? No. Out yeah. About I it? just put it up on iTunes, and I think because it was like about sex that helped. But I do think like like I sometimes see people's like podcasts out there, and they have like a title, and then they have like a little bit of a like a sentence description. You know, I think what really helped was like the kind of salacious titles. I mean, they're not clickbait, but I definitely boost up my, you know, my titles could sometimes sound a little bit much, but it gets people to like click. And I know that my content is good and they're going to listen. And I do also think that descriptions, what you write in your description, it's like, you know, you're going to come up in search terms. A lot of times when I'm trying to find pictures for my Instagram for like a topic, a cuckold, you know, threesomes, whatever, my podcast shows up, you know, because, you know, I very descriptive and I use a lot of words. So I just think you really have to, uh, like I said, it's not just about putting that actual episode out. I think your description and your title is just as important. It's like YouTube, same thing on YouTube. I mean, title uh, and thumbnail is super important. That it's, it's, it's all of that together. So I think the sex helps, you know? 
Mm -hmm. Um, but I wrote very interesting descriptions always from the get go. And I think I did good titles. I had a friend when I was younger whose family was in porn and they owned when 42nd street was 42nd street and was like, you know, it wasn't Disney anymore. You know, he owned a porn shop. It was like his family business. And I was young and I was in college and he gave me a job to like dupe porns, porn for him. And like, you know, so I had to make copies of porn for him (laughs) and I had to make titles and blurbs and pictures and stuff to make. And all the guys in his office were like, Kathy's like the best at this. It was just so, like so funny. So I think I just like, I'm good at that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. do you look at my titles are a little cheesy or not cheesy, but they're a little much, but it does, that kind of stuff does work and does help. And mm. you have to be smart about that. And I think that helped as well as like, you need to, you know, give good descri- descriptions and explain, you know, what's going on. So people want to click on it. Totally. Totally. And I think that the, that you have to do that because it's, it's like a pattern interrupt. It's like, you know, everyone's being so vanilla and careful about what they say. And you're just like, you know, writing all this really salacious type stuff. I think yeah. it, it gets people's attention. Um, did you have any, did you have any issues with like censorship or, um, like, cause I know like different people, you know, on social media will write sex with three instead of just mm-hmm. sex. You know, did you ever find that was an issue or did you find that it actually worked in your favor to just be outright with it all? Well, not on the, and not in the podcasting world. And I was a little spoiled because I just always did my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always fine and felt very safe there. But then I got onto YouTube. There was a time where I was able to just like click a button and my episodes would go onto YouTube. And I threw up like 200 of them at, at like at once because it became like an option to do that. And I really didn't intend to my YouTube channel, but a listener reached out to me and he's like, Oh, your YouTube channel is doing like really well. I'm like, he's like, why aren't you monetizing? Why haven't you turned on ads? Blah, blah, blah. So he got me into YouTube and YouTube became like my favorite like platform for my show. You know, I always tell people that have a podcast, like you, you should just totally go over there too. It's a great place for people to talk about episodes and stuff. And once I started to work YouTube, I was able to really get into that algorithm and do, I started to do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I quickly learned that YouTube is, you know, SEX and YouTube, not a good combination. I've had a lot of problems there and it sucks because like I said, I love YouTube as a platform for my show and I'm trying to exist and stay there and also, you know, abide by their community guidelines, but they tend to be really strict. I'm hoping that they're like one or two years away from like throwing that out the window because it's so ridiculous, Mm. but, uh, they, you know, so I've only faced problems are never on my podcast. Never, you know, I've been able to, uh, it's pretty much a free for all there. I mean, you're not gonna, like, I don't talk about, I mean, like, my episodes may seem salacious and stuff, but if you really listen to them, I'm not creating porn. It's Mm. not like, I'm not there to turn people on. I think people get turned on by my episodes, you know, because of what I'm talking about, but that's never my end goal. I think that happens by my end goal is like to get a real story. And and I'm always talking to somebody like from a curiosity standpoint, you know? Um, so my show isn't, bad in that way you know youtube doesn't get it but my podcast hosting site does and so i'm good i'm fine in the podcast world thank god there's no censorship there that's good news yes (laughs) that's interesting that that like each platform has their own kind of rules and regulations around it yeah but it sort of adjust for each platform it's interesting yeah it's because of ads it's because of ads google is just really big Um, and that, you know, and it's the advertisers, they're like a dying breed though, too. I just feel like all these people that are so like, sort of, um, you know, weird when it comes to sex, it's like a certain generation. It's the people that I grew up with and I, they're all going to be dead soon. And, you know, uh, cause I don't think the younger generation is that way at all. And I don't think that people who are working in, you know, big companies and stuff will be, you know, so paranoid that their brand is being aired on a podcast that says the word sex or threesome, you know, (laughs) the younger companies aren't like that at all. Uh, but I just think the bigger ones, because they're still being run by those old men in my generation that are so, you know, that way mm. it's, it's a problem. And, you know, Google is gonna listen to them because they have the big bucks and that's really what it's all about. It's about the advertising, the advertisers having a problem. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And interesting, yeah, what you said about, I think, yeah, I totally agree it will shift in future years as yeah. new demographics come through, which is exciting because, you know, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with sex. And I think, you know, that the more we talk about it, the better because it normalizes yeah. it. So. What do people care? Why do exactly. you care? <laughs> it's what people I think do in people their bedroom. <laughs> yes, I think people care because they just wish they could fucking do it. It's just yeah. a projection because <laughs> totally. why else? I just never understood it, like I said. And yeah. I think when I was younger, I talked a lot about it. I was very open about what I was into sexually, what I did, just because nobody else did. And I just thought yeah. like, wow, people are so un- uptight about it, but I'm not. You know, to me, it's an, it's 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 just... it's it's a great pleasure. It's one of the greatest pleasures in life. You know, it's something yeah. is like food, sex, you know, there's not many things out there that <laughs> give you that kind of pleasure. So like own it, do it, love it, have fucking fun. And, you know, I just think I was born in the wrong time because I was very, I, I was more in line with, you know, the kind of thinking that the young generation has now. But when I was growing up, it was a different kind of world. Yeah. But thank definitely. God it's changing. It is. It is. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, we need people in all generations who are shifting the paradigm yeah. around sex, yeah. you know, not just young generations. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I have calling in that are living double lives, uh, you know, because they had to, because they grew up at a time where society would have never accepted, mm. you know, what they're into. And that's sad. That's sad. It's exhausting living a double life. You know, think of all the lies that it takes and, you know, and I have a lot of them that come on. That's just like, they, they wish that they could let go of that or they wish that they could cop to what they've been doing this whole time. But that's uh super hard. And I don't think that that's the case with younger, the younger generation, which that is great. Mm, mm, Totally. And I think it's cool that the people are even ringing in and confessing and, and being open. I mean, that in itself takes guts, even if you are anonymous and have your voice changed a bit, it still takes guts to just talk about, I did this, or I have this fantasy or this, you know, fetish. I think that that takes guts and courage. And I think that can only be a good thing for people opening up in that way, both for society oh, yeah. and, you know, in businesses for as themselves. well. Yeah, and I I always say to them, like a lot of times when someone's calling in for advice, because I really like to sort of help people, I I always feel like, listen, I didn't tell you to call into my show. The part of you that decided to send in that email or that part of you that said, oh, I want to do that says something about where you're at and what you're ready for, you know? So, you know, this is the first step, but you did that first step. And so, like you said, it not only takes balls, but it takes, like, it it shows you where somebody's at. And maybe that person that's been living this total lie is finally ready to look in the mirror and maybe come clean, you know? And I think that that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. I love those moments in life. Yeah, totally. I think that's amazing. And, and, so what do you see as being some of the positive effects of people being open about sex and, and confident in their sexuality? Um, how does that positively impact their personal life or their business or their relationships from either your own experience or some of the people you've interviewed, have, if you've seen that? Well, listen, I think that, you know, if you're in a relationship and people that have been in long-term relationships, a lot of times really coming clean about what you're really into, you find out maybe that your partner is into some things too. And and now eventually, you know, you, you wind up living a, a way better life. Your intimacy becomes a lot stronger when you're open about what you're into. You know, sometimes it's just a personal thing where that person finally you know, faced who they are, put it on the table and it changed their whole life. I just think, mm-hmm. you know, um, like I said, living a double life or a secret life or holding on to these things that maybe you feel shame about and letting and releasing that is so powerful because it's all energy, you know? And yeah. so if you have all of this there, it's, it could be negative and it could really take up a lot of time. So you could then focus on everything else in your life. Cause listen, your sex life or what you do behind closed doors, not all of you, it's one piece of the pie. You know, there's so much more to someone's life, but when that piece of the pie is like being hidden or it's not being talked about, you know, it could rule all the rest of them. So if you release mm. that and you're more free, you're not only going to have more fucking fun and, you know, feel more confident about yourself, you're going to have time to, you know, be better in all aspects of your life. If you're enjoying this incredible conversation with Kathy, then you're going to love the Sex Money Rage free daily emails. So go check it out, sexmoneyrage.com. 
I email all sorts of tools and tricks and cool shit around sex, money, and rage that helps you in life, in business. It's just awesome. It'll make you laugh. It'll be ridiculous and crazy and unlike any other email you have received. So you just have to read it to believe it. So go to sexmoneyrage.com and sign up. It's a great way to support the podcast. It's a great way to get reminders when new episodes go live and you can submit questions and guest requests for the show. So a few little perks there for being a email supporter of Sex, Money and Rage. So yeah, check it out, sexmoneyrage.com. Do do you think that because you, you know, you mentioned you were really open about sex from a young age, do you think that really helped you in your business and with the podcast just sort of go out and make things happen because you had that sexual energy flowing and you were just really confident about and knew who you were? Do you think that really helped? Well, listen, I think because I'm very uh, open and non-judgmental, that's probably the biggest thing about why I've been successful at my show. But that's always who I always was, you know? So like I said, it, it even though it happened by accident that I did a podcast about sex, it winds up being kind of perfect because I was always yeah. the type of person that people would be confiding in and telling me their secrets. And, you know, this is just when I was in my regular life that people would be like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but like, I'm just telling you everything about it. And I think people always did that because they always could sense on a subconscious level that I was never questioning or listening from a judgmental place. You know, it was mm. always just from a curious place. I find people and stories and life and all of that just super interesting. So I'm never like listening and thinking like, something bad about something, someone. Um, and because I've done a lot and experienced a lot and was open-minded a lot about myself, I could, I just don't hold that judgment. So I think all of that has helped me with my show, you know, my past and being flawed and being all the things that I was, you know, like I said, helps me to be non-judgmental. And then me being somebody that was very open about sex and curious, you know, also helps me guide my podcast. Because listen, when I get on the phone with somebody, I never, I don't have any questions written, like ever. Mm. I just get on and I know sometimes like, you know, what basically, you know, like the, the bullets of what we're going to be talking about, but the conversation happens and my questions arise out of my natural curiosity. Mm, uh, cool. So that all goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, and so when you mentioned you had been running the podcast about seven years and yeah. it wasn't until about six or six and a half years ago that you started actually monetizing it. So, mm -hmm. so were you working full time while running your podcast? How did you manage all of that? No, I wasn't. So that's okay. what was interesting. You know, like when I started it, I was working and it was like a part-time thing. And for a long time, it was a part-time thing, which is something that I did because I just loved doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and I loved that my show was successful and I tended to it and I had my fans and stuff, but it, you know, and then I became a mom. I became a single mom, uh, you know, way older in life. Like I had my son at 46, you know, and so awesome. it was very important to me. And before I had him, I went through a lot of infertility, like issues I had, you know, so during that time, I really needed to be focused on that. So I wasn't working. I was just doing my podcast. I had stopped working in an office and I was able to think, thankfully, you know, sort of focus on that. And then it was very important for me with my son to be a stay at home mom for the first couple of years. You know, that was definitely something I had always known I wanted to do when I had a child. So I really, yeah. the first three years, it was just about him. I was a mom and I loved nothing more. But like I said, throughout all that time of me going through all those different things and stuff, I never let go of my show. It was just like a part-time thing that I did, but I did it consistently. And, you know, I had amassed this whole sort of back catalog of all these episodes. And then when COVID hit and I had some time <laughs> and it was like, you know, when you have a child, I always say like the first two and a half to three years, it's like learning a new job and you're really like hyper fixated on like what you have to do. And it's like always something new. And, but it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I got this. And you could go back to yourself. You do lose yourself in the beginning, which is totally fine. It's about your child. But eventually about three, I started to feel like, oh, you know, I'm back to myself. I got this baby thing going, you know, he's going to yeah. start going to school. Like, what am I going to do? Do I want to go back into an office? Not really. You know, I really was like, how do I, I, I need to then 
make this my job, you know, and if this is going to be my job, then I need to do it full time and I need to make some money. And that's when I decided to start monetizing. I was stuck at home. It was COVID. You know, I figured out that I could give my son the iPad and he would play with it. And I just started like (laughs) a Patreon and I started to work every angle. Like I said, and Mm -hmm. once I started to do it, it was just like, it was pretty fast because I had been doing it for so long. You know, it was only the reason why I didn't make any money before that is because my mind wasn't there. So there were a lot of things that went into it. It was all the work I had done before. It was just the focusing and the, the, I think a lot of, things in life is intention. You know, what's your intention? You know, when my intention became, I'm going to make fucking money from this, I made money, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then it was about just doing all the, just figuring out every single way, uh, and every single thing that I needed to do to grow my audience, to make more money, you know, and how does it all work? And then I started really looking into that side of things. And, uh, once I did, and I started implementing all this stuff, it's just like the money rolled in. I mean, I do really well for my podcast and that's why I started to do more episodes because I realized, Oh, more episodes, more downloads, more ad money, more, you know, like ads that go in. And then I started monetize on my YouTube channel and, you know, and then my Patreon grew and, but it was a matter of doing the same thing that I do with my podcast, which is you have to be like super consistent and, uh, you know, whether you're talking to 10 people, I remember hearing somebody say something like, whether you're talking to 10 people or a million people, you should do the same kind of work, you know? And so when you're really building, I remember like when I started my Patreon, it's just like, you feel stupid. You have like 20 people on there, but like, you got to work it like you're have 500 people, you know? And, and, and then that will sort of happen, you know? So I did everything professionally the right way to the best of my abilities and everything grew over time. You know, I came out of COVID doing really well and now it's just, it's great. And now I'm just trying to double it. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And I think, yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think, I think, yeah, like you said, it worked really well because you've, you've put in, you know, over six years of really consistent weekly or more episodes. Um, yeah. and you have this really solid audience that love you. And now you've gone, okay, I'm going to offer you, you know, premium content and, and start monetizing it. Then, you know, it makes total sense that it just sort of took off, which I think is, is really cool. Cause a lot of people, you know, do the opposite in business and will create a product, but have no audience and then be like, Oh, well, it must be a shit product. And it's, it's like, well, no, maybe you just need to figure out, you know, who your audience is and build that first, build a community and then serve that community through a product or a service, um, which yeah, I think is and, really cool. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of like, what's the product that I sell to my people? Because like here it is, like I have a very large platform on my podcast as well as, you know, I, I only have like 22,000 people on YouTube, but it's another, I could add that into my podcast. I have like a huge audience, like, and people are paying me a lot of money to advertise and sell their products on my show. Like why am I not selling something to my yeah, that's a good point. listeners? Right. So that's like my next thing I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking to, and I've started to cur- take my podcast episodes and their, you know, conversations, but ter- take, turn them into like third person stories from beginning oh, to yeah. end instead, just from like the caller's point of view and make it kind of like erotica, kind of like, so I don't know there's a book or there's an audio story, something in there somehow. I don't know, but that's what I'm like doing next and trying to think of like, you know, how to, you know, also monetize in that way as mm. well. So now that, and that's all I, now it's not that, listen, I've been doing my show cause I love it and I love to do it. And they do say, if you do what you love, the money will follow. I had a co-host when I first started. And the, I mean, the first two months he's like, when do we become famous? When do we make money? And it's just like, <laughs> I was like, see you later. He was fired like two months later. I mean, you know, if that's yeah. what you're doing it for. And a lot of people I think are getting into the podcasting game because they think, Oh, I'll make money or like, you know, if that's like your end goal, that's never, I mean, you know, to me, it could be your end goal and you could make a lot of money, but for me, it's always been about like, what do I love to do? And, you know, I'm going to do that. And then this is the thing that's brought me the most money. But for me, it's always been, you know, being happy and doing something that I enjoy. Because mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy the process, you're not gonna, you know, like, I mean, I love doing my podcast. I love editing. I love writing. I love it all. You know, it's yeah. actually um, fun for me. And for me, my dream was always like, oh, get paid to talk. And I do, and I make six figures doing it. So, you know, it's actually like, it's, it's like I'm living my best life. 
but it took me till I'm in my fifties to do that. I always feel like start, I need to do a YouTube video. That's like, Oh, how to go from like making zero to six figures. And you know, yeah. Uh, you know, overnight because it's, it, I, I do think there's one thing that I don't talk about a lot, but it is very important. And I do think it's a part of the puzzle. Like I could have had the whole backlog of catalog. I have a very good work ethic. Like I said, I mean, I'm like, I'm always, I work really hard at whatever I do, you know? So I had that, I had the back catalog. I I'm like really fucking good at Googling and getting the information. I had all that, but like I had this one thing that I added into the mix when I wanted to monetize that maybe your audience would be interesting. I think like you'd be open to it, but there was like, I started, there's this woman, Kelly Howell, who uh, I used to always listen to her meditation CDs because she's got like a nice voice or her guided meditation. But I really felt like I, I believe very much in like subconscious blocks, you know? Mm. And uh, I always felt like I have like a deserving issue and always have, you know, how come I'm going to be like 50 something and it always worked so well, but didn't ever make that much money, you know? And I, I felt like when I started to monetize, I needed to throw in there some subconscious unblocking, you right? I wanted to get rid of that story that told me that I don't deserve to, you know, let that flow of money come to me like it does other people. I just, I saw it as like a dam uh, and all the money was behind it and I was going to fucking break that dam down. But I knew that I needed a little bit of help. So I, this lady, this bitch, Kelly Howell, I need to make a, a partnership with her and sell her product because she has these audio things that are like attract wealth while you work. Okay. So basically, so I got this little thing and I put it in my ear and it was in my ear to this day. I mean, I, I, it's like two years later and I listen to it every single day, all the time. You could watch a movie and it could be in your ears. You don't hear it. Wow. It's like birds chirping and it's subliminal things and it's beta, theta waves. It's all that shit going down. And let me tell you, it changed my life. And I don't believe wow. that I would have had that whole flow come so quickly and so well if that that little piece needed to be there too. So for that totally. person that like works her ass off, does everything, but still can't get what they want, a lot of times there's like a subconscious conscious block that is there. And that's really fucking hard to change by talking about it. Okay. I don't care how much, yeah. even if you know it's there, totally. it doesn't matter. It's subconscious. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, but there is the way you have, there is the way you could go in and change that, you know? And that's why when the money started coming, I didn't start to think, oh, this is too good to be true. I don't deserve it. You know, that's how I would have felt before. Right. To me, it's just, it just is the way that it should be. And it feels great. And I want fucking more and that's fine. But I never felt yeah. that way before. And that was that, that, evil side of me, you know, that I, I rewired that story by mm. those, uh, subconscious subliminal tapes that I listen to. And like I said, I, it's like my vitamins. I don't not take them every day, every day I listen to it. And then I added one for success for love. Like I just started adding them in. I'm like, why cool. not just rewire all this Do shit? All of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I highly recommend Kelly Howell Kelly attract Howell. wealth while you work. Oh my God. It's so great. And you could, you literally, there's one for while you sleep too, that you can listen before you go to bed, but like you could do anything except listen to like, I can't edit my podcast when I'm listening to it, but I can write descriptions. I could read things. I wow. could walk around everything and it's not distracting because it's literally birds chirping and water. And then you hear these slight subliminal things that are going into your brain, like, Oh, blah, blah, blah about money. I guess. I don't know. I don't really listen to them, but your subconscious does and it rewires mm -hmm. you and it fucking works. Wow. Like seriously. That sounds amazing. I'm going to get onto yeah. that. <laughs> you reminds, should because it, it works. Yeah. And I don't doubt that. Like I've been, so my brother recommended me a book um, called How Rich People Think. And mm -hmm. I've just finished reading that. And it sounds similar. Like it's all about mindset around money and yeah, you know, how what we think really affects us and limits us. And totally. he was just, he kind of just broke it down and said like, rich people just solve problems and get paid for it. The bigger the problem, yeah. like the more money you're going to make. And, and it just really de demystified it for me. And every chapter has a different topic of, you know, this is how the middle class thinks and this is how rich people think. Um, mm -hmm. and, and just really kind of breaks it down for you. And, and it, and it talks about, you know, all the different guilt and shame that can be around money. But 
You're absolutely right. I think for a lot of people, yeah, we can be out there working hard and doing all, all the right things. But if there's a block, if we, if we don't believe we deserve wealth or success, exactly. it's not going to happen, it. yeah. you know, and no, then we're going to act in ways that will stop us from being wealthy. You know, we might do things that aren't really going to get us there, but we feel yeah. like we're doing something productive. Yeah. So yeah, I was sitting on a gold mine. Okay. Like, and I didn't even think for one second that I could make money there. You know what I mean? Mm. Until I retrained my brain. And I think that happens in relationships with people. People have blocks to like having real love and in their life, it happens with money. You know, I think that there's a flow, you know, to money. Like I said, I would do a visualization where I saw like a dam and it was like blocked. And I would just like, I wanted to start like hitting that and breaking it and then opening it. And the flow just once it starts and you unblock that flow, it just is endless. There's no reason why you can't have all the things that you want. Um, but some of us and some people, a lot of people, because our parents were not perfect, (laughs) you know, have a lot of baggage that are holding them back from having the things that they want. I was definitely one of those people. I mean, it took me four years to have a baby. I mean, most people just go out and fucking have a baby. I mean, for me, it was one, that was another thing I didn't think I deserved. So I've had to work against myself and the things that were put on me, uh, a lot in my life, but you know, once, and so, you know, when my intention was, yeah, I'm going to make money. It wasn't all that was all my intention. I was doing something that I loved. But I broke that uh, block and that really helped. And like I said, I had to add that in because that was a key part of my success besides everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important point to make too, that a lot of people who are, say, an aspiring business owner forget or podcaster or or anybody is that, yeah, you have to sort out your shit. (laughs) You have to process trauma and you have to deal with a lot of heavy baggage if you, if you want to move through that and, and be successful and, and create the life you want. And I think I know for me, like building business has brought up every insecurity I had and, you know, I've just had to work on it and work through it. And, and it is possible. But I think there's a tendency of people to think, oh, you know, it's so easy for them, like the overnight success, like you said before. And it's just, it's just, everyone has to work hard. And I think, yeah, it's a really good point to make. So, and you have to work through like roadblocks. You know, I know a lot of people think like, oh, if something's hard or something keeps coming in your way, like that means it's not meant to be like, I always say to people when they say things like that, I'm like, do you really think like Oprah thinks like that? You think Donald Trump, you know, anyone successful, you think they think, oh, I called this person and they keep saying no, so I should just give up. I mean, yeah, yeah, you laugh because it's the most insane thing. But yeah, people think that way, you know, and so I don't see roadblocks as like, oh, I shouldn't go through that door. I just, you know, you just, you can't take no for an answer. You got to keep pushing through. You have to be a problem solver, like your brother says, and you can't. Uh, and you know, you have to move forward no matter what. I was talking to somebody about moving forward with my book, uh, and the stories and he was the writer himself and he was trying to tell me all the things that could go wrong on Amazon. I'm like, I don't need to hear that stuff. Like I will, like, you know, I will deal with it when I'm in that, you know, but Mm. you should never overthink things. I think a lot of times people overthink things and they want to anticipate every single thing that will go wrong or they want to do and they want to have a million contingency plans. It's like, just know that you'll be okay. And when those things happen that you'll figure out and you might pivot. I mean, everything I've done happened the complete opposite backwards way than I thought it was. But I've always wound up exactly where I needed to be. If not more successful, I couldn't have planned my show better. You know, like I said, it happened by accident, but it happened the right way. So you have to just do things sometimes. And then it gets worked out and not be afraid to sort of fail and have to pick yourself up and solve a problem. You know, just know and have confidence in yourself that you'll be able to figure that out and don't think too much ahead of time. That would be my other thing. Totally, totally. And I think um, someone told me uh, a quote was if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your business or whatever, you've started too late, you know? And I think... Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You've just got to start because you can't you can't know how things are going to turn out, turn out from no. the start. You can plan mm-hmm. and anticipate, but until you're in the ring building a business or a podcast or, you know, until you have clients and you have that, you know, that data, you're not going to really know what's going to happen. And 
by not having a solid plan, it means you have the freedom to, you know, follow your passion and follow what unfolds and, and start a sex podcast, you know, when you, when you had yeah. a different idea in the beginning and, and it's hugely successful. And I think, you know, it's, it's good not to limit ourselves and limit, you know, the, the potential upside that when I fired my, when I fired my co-host, I didn't know how my show was going to succeed. I, you know, mm. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, Oh my God, like, cause I had to like, it was kind of like doing my intros. I was like talking to a wall. I never knew how to not talk to somebody in a conversation. There was just a lot of stuff. And I just felt like, Oh, I have to like quit. But I remember that I knew a very famous record producer. I mean, he's like super famous now. He's like wins Grammys and shit. And I remember he told me once what he said was, you know, Kathy, like, I never, cause he was actually like a heroin addict at one time, you know, and on like Skid Row, became, but it was always super successful and rose to like great success. And I said like, you know, how did you do it? And he said, you know, I never went to another level without feeling like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and being petrified. He said, you know, if you always, and like, and that made so much sense, right? If you always play it safe and you always feel comfortable and you're never nervous or horrified that you're going to totally fail, then you're never going to get to the next level. And it really rings true. And I've seen it like anytime I've had to do something very hard and I'm really uncomfortable. I know that that's a good place to be because that means you're going to the next level. Like that's where you need Mm -hmm. to go. If you want to grow, I mean, you could stay the same, you know, and move sideways, but if you really want to go forward and like my friend said, you have to know that everybody feels that way. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point too. It's not like, Oh, just because you feel nervous and horrified that you're going to fail and you're going to suck at whatever you're doing. It's like, everybody feels that way at some point. He was like, I never not felt that when I, went to every new level that I went to until I got to the top, you know, and that was like something that I always remember, you know, those nights when I fired my clothes and I thought, Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do my show. It's going to suck. My show's terrible. You know, I just remember like, you just take it to the next level. You're uncomfortable, but that's okay. You know, that's where you're going to wind up being if you keep moving forward. Yeah. And so go to those places, you know, and don't, and it's okay. And like people feel nervous and, scared and insecure, but the difference between people that are successful and people who are not successful, the people that are successful have those feelings and know that it's just a feeling, but they keep moving forward instead of, you know, letting their fear stop them. Yeah. It's like learning to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's a quick way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, when you start to accept, oh, like I'm meant to be afraid, I'm meant to feel these things, like you said yeah. with your friend, you know, it, this is what I'm meant to be. This is, you know, it, it takes, it takes a lot of the fear out of it because you're like, oh, okay. And then it becomes a bit of a game where you're like, okay, now I want to just keep pushing forward and get to that next level. And it, yes. it takes a lot of that the kind of heaviness out of it and, and allows you to, yeah, really step it up, which is mm-hmm. really, really cool. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I wanted to ask, um, we've got a few more minutes, but, um, a bit about your Patreon and what's, what's included in that and what sort of community you have on there. You know, I'm, I'm like almost, I mean, it's funny Patreon, they call it like the, the drop, there's a drop off at, at the end of every month you lose, like you'll lose like 70 people and then you get them back. Like, I mean, it's just, it's really interesting the way Patreon goes, but I'm up to around 750, like, you know, are, are there and you know, so I started and that was like another thing that I learned as I went, you know, what I always tell people with Patreon is just like start doing it and start offering a couple tiers. And then eventually, you know, maybe you'll get some people or some traction, but eventually you're going to find out something that really like sends people your way. And then just keep like doing that for me. I started with like, Oh, you're going to get the episodes early and ad free. And I forget what else I was doing, but then I added in like anonymous pics of my listener of my callers. And that really changed the game. And that helps a lot of people sign up for that level, but I also give them Q and A's and I do like, I give them like uh cut a new floor episodes, like episodes that I taped that maybe didn't necessarily make it onto the show. And then I have a tier for pantyhose fetish guys that, because that was just like, I had so many of them emailing me and so many of them wanting to be on my show and I just couldn't make my show just about pantyhose fetish. So I <laughs> decided to start a tier where I could like take these people that want to be on my show and then just give them extra content there, you know, so that's a very big community. And then because, you know, cross-dressers, that became a big thing too. I just started a cross-dressing tier. So I have, you know, a $5 tier is the lowest tier with all the 
pictures and you get my anonymous confessions. Um, and you know, I always tell people you can cancel at any time. The minute someone cancels, I send them a nice note. I, I, I don't ever feel bad about that. I always see people come back. Maybe there's a looky loo. They just want to see some pictures. You could do that on my Patreon. I don't really care. Some people stay, but it is like a, a place where I love my Patreon members because I ask them a lot of times when I have questions about what I should do or not do or things I want to try on my show, I'll put like questions out to my Patreon members. So I love Patreon as a place for my show too and my listeners because those are your diehards there, right? They're yeah. supporting the show. They're looking for extra content and uh, they know your show. So, you know, I love Patreon and that's like a big part of what I do now. And that's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. You get all the episodes early, ad free. You see anonymous pics of my guests. You get, like I said, extra episodes. Uh, and if you're into any kind of fetish, like panios or cross dressers, like there's a lot of, there's extra, there's a lot of extra episodes and stuff on there as well. And the great thing about Patreon when you sign up is you get all the back catalog. I mean, you just, mm -hmm. you get everything. And since everything. I've been doing it for years, there's, there's just, there's so much there that <laughs> awesome. you get if you sign up. Yeah. Awesome. And so with the, with the cross-dressing and the pantyhose, so they're callers that ring in with confessions or the images of like anonymous images, what, what sort of content is it? You know, it's, it's extra content of exactly what I do on my show where I get their story, you know, but I do fun things with them there though, too. We have like we have photo contests. I have Q and A's where I have like specific people in the fetish community that, you know, and I ask them for questions and we do Q and A's like that. Those are audio things. People send in pictures of their pantyhose stash. I mean, we, I try That's to cool. make it interesting. I'm always trying to create a sense of community there and get these guys talking with each other. Because I think that that's very important if you have a fetish mm -hmm. to know other people exist and also be able to talk to them and relate. Um, so it's all kinds of content. A lot of, like I said, just regular episodes where I'm talking to an anonymous person and they're telling their story about the Panios fetish. But I do a lot of other things as far as like posting pictures and um, on Patreon, get like the Patreon members, the patrons can't post or upload photos of themselves. But I do have a Discord channel. I don't know what goes on there or I don't go on there. I'm like, you can do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want on there. I'm not into X-rated anything. I'm like R-rated. You know, that's my vibe. But yeah. I'm like, if you want to do that kind of stuff, you could do it on, on my Discord. So people do that there. So um, mm -hmm. on my Patreon, it's more fun. We have like contests. Like I said, pictures of people introducing themselves, Q&As and extra episodes. Awesome. That sounds really fun. I think it's great yeah. that, you know, you've got an online community where people can, like you said, if they have a similar fetish that they can, you know, share stories or I think it yes. helps people to feel less alone and connect and, and again, normalizes it all, which is really cool. Cause it's just, it's just play. It's just having fun and exploring yourself in a different way. Um, sexually. And a fetish is actually more than play. I mean, it's like, it's very hardcore. Like a fetish is yeah. like really ingrained in somebody. And, uh, Right. You know, they're very, it's not like the majority of people have a pantyhose fetish, but a lot of people do, you know, and that's why I started my Fetish Friday series because once I started monetizing my show, of course, I look at downloads and I know what does well. And I, you know, I like to stick to that, be, you know, because I know that that's what my audience wants, but I didn't want to lose. I it's, And I can't have like a pantyhose episode every single Sunday or like a fetish episode about somebody who's into wearing diapers, but I still want to talk to those people and put those episodes sure out there and reach the people that need to hear those kinds of stories. And because they're more niche, they don't get as downloaded as much as my other ones, but there's still a big audience for that. And that's why, like I said, I started my fetish Fridays episode so I could still talk to those people that have a fetish. Cause that's really important. When I put out a, you know, an episode where a guy, you know, with a guy that wants to wear diapers, that, that was one of my favorite episodes. I think a lot of people may, might not listen to that, but it was actually so super interesting to hear where, when that sort of got ingrained in him and why and it made a lot of sense and what he does with it and how approving his wife was. It was just a great episode. And I just love to still have those stories on. So those fetish episodes come every other Friday and I still do stuff like that. And I think it's important because people with a fetish, a lot of times, you know, there's even more stigma attached to those and people mm. feel very alone. Um, so I like to get the word out on those kinds of stories too. Cause nothing, I don't care, you know, wear diapers. I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't know. I yeah. feel like I didn't even judge him, but I think people should really listen. If you really listen to that episode, you would like love him and realize he's just a normal guy, but this is something that he does and you'd understand why. So fetish Fridays Amazing. are my faves too. 
Ah, this sounds so fascinating. I'm going to go and, and listen to some of these episodes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so yeah, intrigued. Yeah, yeah totally. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for coming on the podcast. I've had an amazing time chatting and um, I'm sure the listeners will get a lot out of it. Where can people find, find you or find out more about you and your podcast? They could go to any podcast app, Strictly Anonymous Podcast. I'm on every podcast app. If you want to comment on episodes, I always say like, you know, all my podcasts are on YouTube, but I'm editing them a little bit now. I have to edit a little of the hardcore stuff. So you get, you know, unedited versions on my podcast. But I love, if you want to comment on the show, I love YouTube as a platform. You could go sign up on my YouTube too. And that's Strictly Anonymous Podcast on YouTube. And my Patreon is patreon.com slash Strictly Anonymous Podcast. And on Instagram and Twitter... You could follow me there. It's at Strict Anonymous. And it's good to follow me there. I always tell people because you could like DM me if you want to be on the show. So it's at Strict Anonymous on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. And Kathy, thanks again. Thank you, Ali. Thank you so much for listening. Go to sexmoneyrage.com to sign up for the free email newsletter of all things sex, money, and rage. And hit the subscribe button so that you always get notified when a new episode goes live. Have an amazing week and I'll catch you next time.